Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the NUA Masters podcast. Today I'm joined uh, here with Elliot Knott. Hello, how you doing? Good, thank you. How are you doing? Not too bad, I'm all Thanks right. for coming along. Um, I can't wait to kind of get stuck in and learn a little bit about what you do. But before we begin, you, uh, let me get this right, you're a full-time uh, photography student on the Masters course. That is correct. Cool. Um, so let's let's get started. I think the point behind this, as I've said in, in the other episodes, is to, to to learn a bit about you and about um, uh, uh, who's kind of, this is going to sound cheesy, but behind the camera because <laughs> uh, you do photography. But, you know, um, who you are and, and why you are is important. Sure. Um, so without further ado, let's, let's get stuck in. Do you want to tell me a little bit about kind of what you do in your practice? So at the moment, it's more of a sort of traditional vibe of photography. So, you know, your classic approach to photography, so 35 mil, anything film related is kind of what I'm going for at the moment. I sort of ditched the digital camera at the start of the masters because I thought, you know, it's for me, it was just I sort of got what I wanted out of it and I wasn't getting the satisfaction I was taking pictures anymore. And, you know, everything's really decided for you and everything led to you know, taking thousands of images and one of them's going to be fine. So this that, is the digit taking. Yeah. So this is the process I've led up to why I shoot now. So mm-hmm. I was shooting loads of digital and, you know, taking 2000 odd pictures, filling a card up and going, <laughs> yeah, something's going to, one of them's going to be fine. And, you know, and I'll, I'll stick with that. And I thought when I started the masters, I'm like, you know, I've got to do something. Hey, that's got to be different. It's got to be something different in here because there's only so much I could, I personally could have got out of digital. I know lots of other photographers love digital because it, you know, retains the quality and this mm-hmm. is, and you know, especially if you're doing like in-depth photography, like you know, still life, like plants, like flowers or large landscape images, you need as much detail and quality as you can get. Uh, but for me, when I started shooting on film again, I thought oh, I re- really sort of reconnected myself into what I originally started shooting when I'm mm. all the way back in A-level. It seems such a long time ago now. <laughs> um, but for me, all the satisfaction came back. So you've only got 36 shots, you know, and obviously I'm doing nighttime stuff and sort of, mm. you know, trying to really invest myself into that. And, you know, you've only got 36 shots. You can't see what you're taking pictures of. And that just that level of technicality is just so high. So when you do get your pictures back from the developers, you're like, oh, mm. I even nailed it on one and I ruined the other 35. <laughs> or... All of them are good, but they're slightly out of focus or, you know, I was like, oh, I need to go and reshoot that. And it's that sort of drive to go, actually, I can redo this, mm. but it's going to mm. cost me to do it. So it's just like, you know, trying to yeah. really sort of invest myself and develop my own personal knowledge and understanding. And that's half the reason I started the practice that I'm doing now, just yeah. so I could really sort of nail what it is in terms of knowledge that I have. Because after the BA, I was like, I, didn't, I just hated photography. It doesn't gender, actually, believe it or not. It sounds really bad. And that's not the fault with the uni or anything like that. It's just because I was hammering so many different subject matters yeah. on digital. And I was just like, well, I'm not really invested into one. So I might as well just hit the restart button and mm-hmm. crack on from where I left off five years ago before I started uni, which is so on you, film. So you did a B, did you do a BA just before you started? Yeah, so I, so f- somewhere in my head was like, yeah, do a master's straight after BA, full time <laughs> as well, let's go for it. Um, yeah, because I just thought, you know, I, I felt like I had so much more to learn. I was okay. like, you know, so I came out of BA and I was like, right, well, I, I just want to keep developing really, to be honest. And at the time it was James Kant who was going to be our master's, uh, master's lecturer. And I just thought, oh, he's got fountain of knowledge, this man, like, because just listen to him for ages just going mm. on about you know te- technical bits and research artists and just development in general so I was like you know what if I don't do it now I'm not going to be able to do it like a lot of people said oh you can do it a couple of years after you finish to be I was like well 
I'm going to be at work. I'm going to be, you know, and then, you know, starting a life and sort of bits and stuff. If I don't do it now, I'm not going to be able to do it. So mm -hmm. I thought, so no, it's the right time. Yeah, definitely. Because I was still in the sort of mindset of doing work. You yeah, know, yeah. I can't just, because once you get out of uni, you know, you, you start a job or you start developing into being another job. So like a teacher, for example, you know, then you just, you will get into employment. It's full time. The hours would be forty hours a week, and then you'd be like, "If I go into a master's now, I'm gonna it's, it's money. It comes out of the money." And you have to really change your your direction, really, don't you? If Definitely. If you are doing that full time, it does make sense, kind of migrating straight from a VA into yeah. MA, from what you were saying, yeah, just I there. Think, yeah, I think it's it's sometimes it is the logical step, and I think a lot of you know I always remember uh, the first thing we were said when we started BA by our head head of course head of the course. It was like there's going to be thousands of people graduating with the same degrees you know so I thought, wow that's actually really true like you know there's only 60 of us in this class but there's going to be 60 other students over mm. 20 30 other unis and that's got a lot of people with the same degree and i thought i need to you need to be able to do something to stand out against all these other people and i thought well you know an ma is probably the next next thing i think it's only like 20 20 30 percent of the uk have a master's degree mm. or something mm. like that it's something mm. something like that kind of percentage so it really uh it sounds like you it was worked out for you in terms of because mm. you mentioned that you kind of hated photography <laughs> UVA, and then to jump into an MA is quite a bold move. But yeah. From what you were saying before, it sounded a bit like the, your work really reflects your your or your process has really reflected your desire to slow it down. Definitely. You know, get back to the photography and Definitely. the skill. Um, is that do you think that's the kind mm. of why maybe you, your work has come? That yeah, way? I think that is a fair assessment. What you just said is, yeah, I think it's literally just about me sort of getting back into photography because as I said yeah I didn't like it at all I didn't really see myself as a future as a photographer mm. and I still don't really know I just do it because you know I'm learning still this is me developing and um, yeah going into the masses and as you say slowing down the practice because you're working with a with a traditional method of photography that is quite slow you know mm. through the whole developing method through taking pictures through you know scanning it in and making a digital res file there's a lot of time in that whereas with digital you know, sort of plug and play, really, to be honest. Yeah. You finish shooting, get your SD, CF card, whatever it may be, straight into the computer, and they're there. Whereas with film, you've got, you know, you've only got 36 rolls. If you're shooting at night, again, that takes a much longer process. And um, and then you have to finish the film, get it developed, which can take, well, depends if you get an hour of development done or where, where I get my stuff done. And then, but that could, and then scan them all in, and that can take up to nearly two days. Mm. If you, if you, and then combined with uni as well, you, you could be looking, you've got a really sort of, you know, bide your time well because if you rush a film you know it's gonna look it's gonna look bad yeah, you know? yeah. and um trying to work everything like trying to work uni around work work life uni life and then trying to be able to go out and shoot you know you've got to be able to have a decent time frame and mm. sort of you know sort of sort yourself out a little bit but. definitely i listen to you talk about that um it makes me feel a bit uh I guess maybe nervous. Like if I was to put yourself myself in your situation, I'm going out because we'll talk about it in a second. But you take mm. a lot of nighttime photography, yeah. don't you? And, and you're, and I'm going out, and I've got only 36 mm. chances. I need to make sure this is right, but I can't tell because yeah. I, go, I don't have a screen. <laughs> no, to no screen. There's no so screen. It, it sounds like there's an element of like risk and suspense. Yeah, and, and I think. It is risky and it is, you know, there's a lot of factors <laughs> shooting at night. So not only is the film probably not going to be great or whatever, but you've also got a lot of 
human factor as well. I mean, you know, you're walking around. I mean, the camera I shoot on came from Sue Ryder. It cost me a tenner, but the lens on the front of it's about 200 quid. So, you know, it's like, you know, some girlfriend said to me the other day, I was like, what happens if someone watches stuff? I was like, well, they can have the camera, but I want the film out of it first. <laughs> I don't think I'd say that to them. But um, yeah, very she was like, oh, it's, yeah, she's, yeah, take the camera, but I leave the film. Uh, but yeah, I think it, it, it's just all sort of, you know, there is an element of risk and, you know, that's why I like, because mm. if it doesn't work, you know, you can say, oh, right, well, it's either overexposed or it's got a light leak, it's out of focus. And I think the biggest challenge for me at the moment is obviously working in really dark situations. You can't see if the camera is necessarily focused properly. And that's yeah. probably one of the biggest killers of my images at the moment is the focusing problem. So it, just practically and or, or logistically, let's say you go out and you take a photo, right? And you and you love the composition and it looks great, but mm. you, the focus is, is not right. You would have to then necessarily go back a couple of days yep. later to the same position to try and capture the same moment. Yep. Um, that's got to be a lot of work. Like, it is. And how would you know what tweaks to make? At, uh, you know so what i did was so what i do normally is with the focusing like um if there's a big light source within the image that's towards the back end of the or the foreground or the middle end of the image i'll focus on the light source first because cameras tend to work better in terms of autofocus they work better when there's a big light source they can go off mm-hmm. but then i've as i've sort of refined my work i've sort of seen that oh having massive light sources within the image don't work it doesn't it's not sort of cinematic enough so having sort of no light within a situation but having surrounding light light up a subject matter i'm shooting say it's like a a garage door or something you know but not having the light present that's where i started to see focusing issues occur i thought well what can i do to fix this problem so i bought a big old torch big old one from (laughs) fawns big old led torch and it's it works really well because obviously there's a big it it lights up the whole scene Mm -hmm. so the camera i can see what i need to focus on the camera's actually quite good at auto focusing as soon as there's light spread on the scene i turn my torch off take a light meter reading so you know a reading of how 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 long i need to expose my image for mm-hmm. and it's worked perfectly however when you're shooting houses and stuff and you start shining torches into people's, people's windows, windows <laughs> uh you get you know i haven't had the issue where someone comes out and goes what on earth are you doing i haven't had that problem yet but walking around with a big old sort of mag light kind of thing i'm just like uh, yeah you know but it it's it's a method i've needed to use in order to a not waste the film i'm shooting on and give yeah. me the peace of mind that actually this is a good method that works well for me Mm. And, you know, and it takes all the it takes one layer of risk off ruining an image, really, to be honest. So, so let's, let's talk a little bit about your like the nighttime photography, because, you know, it's quite specific. And uh, even though you mentioned earlier about there needs a lot of detail in terms of landscape mm. and uh, um, flowers and, and all, all, all of that. Right. Um, there's still subject in your in your photography right mm. and i guess what i'm what i'm getting at is like why why nighttime and and what is it that you're looking to try and capture so with my work i sort of you know a lot of my inspiration which we'll probably come on to a bit later on a lot of my inspiration comes from films stuff like you know david finch like fight club uh, drive by nicholas mining with i thought these these films are amazing because the majority of the, the scenes are shot at night and i thought you know what like this is this is fantastic mm. um and then going from there obviously then shooting back onto film you know it captures that sort of you know that filmy grain sort of thing, like t- like films and TV, and it looks really cinematic. And the fact that there's no people within my images sort of harps back to 
back in the BA days where I used to photograph people all the time. And I always say this, it's like flogging a dead horse. This was like, oh, why do you why do you shoot at night with no people? And it's like, honestly, I really don't like people anymore <laughs> in my work. I just can't stand them. Um, and it's not, you know, it's not a reflection. I like, you know, I like being around people, I like talking to people. But when it comes to photography, there's so much organisation and stuff around people being, you know, it's like, you know, they might blink or all sorts of stuff like that. And it's, it takes all that layer of logistics out. So mm. shooting the subject matter I am, so like around the city, sort of like, you know, dimly lit alleyways, garage doors, sort of like, you know, backwater, stuff like that over sort of, you know, just capturing sort of the idea that humanity was there at one point and sort of like, you know, the idea of the lack of humanity within images sometimes makes people feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because a lot of photography, a lot of the time, the viewer feels settled that the fact they can see a person within an image because it's something they can relate to. Um, oh, yeah, so and as soon as you take the layer of humanity out, people are like, they don't really know, A, what the what the picture is telling them, and B, they feel uneasy because there's nothing to sort of like lock onto and engage with within the image. And that's mm-hmm. kind of where my work sits and the sort of like, there is a subject matter there, but the, the viewer has to decide the narrative themselves. There is, a, there is a layer there, like, you know, there's no people within the image. You know, it's obviously a nighttime scene. And you're going for a cinematic look Yeah, cinematic, well, cinematic look, sort of like a film still. And it's then up to the viewer to decide, wow, this is this is what I want to believe with the images. And I, I get quite a lot of stick. It's like, well, you you know, why why don't your images have um, sort of meaning for the, for the viewer? And I think, well, a lot of the time, like, pictures show exactly what they show and there's not a lot of depth to them. Mm, mm. You know, so for me, the viewer sort of you're giving them control, creative control. I've just, I've merely taken the picture. I've captured that moment in time and it's for them really to decide, oh, this is what it means to me sort of thing. Mm. And within photography, I think there's sort of like a bit of a disconnect between the photographer sh- actually really showing what they want to show and forcing the viewer to see, oh, this is what I want to want you to see. And then a photographer taking a picture and letting the viewer make up their mind what they, what they want to believe it is. Mm. Think, you know, and it's a lot the same with, TV, movies, and film, you know, there's so much narrative there. Yeah. You know, it just it makes in mind, but there's some TVs, films, and games where, like, you know, the viewer has to put their own mind to it. It's like, oh, really, that's that's what mm. that means, or, you know, have to do a bit of thinking. So if, if somebody's listening to this and they kind of want to be able to uh, sort of get their eyes on, on your work, we've got the MA degree show coming up. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to this before uh, August 2019, um, it, it, what can we expect from yourself? Um, and you don't feel like you have to give away any surprises <laughs> if you want to keep it but uh, yeah. it's not particularly surprises um, I want to go quite large so I've been doing some tests with obviously because I scan all my negatives in so I've got to be very careful how large I print them digitally because you can only print so far when they've been scanned in but I'm looking at doing nine sort of A2 style boards in a sort of like a grid format mm-hmm uh, the idea behind that is, is there's a lot of other photographers who shoot at night, uh, like Todd Heido being one of them who does a lot of sort of like diptych kind of style. So we have lots of different sizes of image, um, all of the same sort of subject matter of night. And that sort of works really well to draw people in. But sort of like that cluttered style is not really my sort of thing. So having a sort of grid of three by three really works to sort of like really engage with it because all the images will flow into each other. Mm-hmm. Um in terms of, yeah, I think it's just having a straightforward design like that is something I'm sort of looking forward to do, but I need to be able to make sure that I need to do a couple more tests, sort of prints on the images I actually want to use to make sure that A2 is not going to look horrendous because once negatives from 35 have been scanned in, they do lose an element of quality, especially when they're starting to be blown up um, mm, quite mm. large. 
Um, but failing that, if A2 doesn't work, then I'll probably go size back down to A3, which would be a yeah. shame because, you know, I, I quite like the idea of my work being quite large. Mm. But I think that's one of the one of the downsides of <laughs> shooting a traditional method of photography and then scanning it in digitally. Mm. If I had access to a darkroom and it wasn't going to cost me a fortune, I'd do it properly. But unfortunately, you know, just for the sake of time, money and sort of yeah. you know, accessibility, we don't really have that option. So It's interesting because listening to you talk, like... There is an incredible amount of skill that has to go go into this, and I think when we started talking, you mentioned about like the MA work is almost like a reaction to all your work that you've done mm. with BA, and it's about you as uh, as a photographer slowing down and, re- and you know relearning and getting right back down to the essence yeah. of it. Um, and I can't help but think about like the 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 world that or my even my uh, experience with photography it's all snap and go yeah right it's all phones and snap it and go <laughs> and and the fact that you're kind of t- taking this you're in reverse yeah. to everybody else yeah it's really quite exciting listening to you but also quite daunting from somebody who's very unskilled in photography <laughs> yeah uh, listening to kind of the amount of process that you you have to go through yeah I think that's yeah I think that's fair to say and I think you know there's nothing wrong with going back in time a little bit you know I think um, it really does reteach you skills that you sometimes just don't learn with digital. You know, you've got to be very, very patient with film because not only, as we have said already, you know, we you can't see what you're taking pictures of. Mm. And I think that's what I quite like, you know, that sort of um, feeling of satisfaction that mm. you get. You know, it's like the same if you got loads of likes on Instagram or something. Oh, it feels good. It's exactly that feeling once you get a film back from the development. It's, like, oh, it's, it's warm. Real... It's like having a bath. <laughs> it's, oh, it's so nice. It must be a real validation of your it skill, is. isn't it? Yeah, if, and, and I th- you get it back and it's the perfect yeah and there's so many times I'm just, I don't I've never been a big fan of my own work sort of thing I'm always I think I am my biggest critic and um but when when you get the one picture back and you go yeah yeah I think I did good here mm. like um, mm. uh, but I just seem to have lost that with digital you know um because I think it's because you can see it straight away and you go that doesn't work and you, know, you tweak it so much and you just you know it's going to be fine sort mm. of thing and that's what film has done for me and it's going to, you know, once once film sort of wears out for me, I don't really know what else I'm going to turn to, to be honest. But um, I think film at the moment for me is like, yeah, this is this is this is me. It's creator. good. It sounds like you, you're very much like true to the way you feel, um, you know, it, you, uh, reacting to to your previous experience to do yeah. the next thing. And then maybe when you get bored of being out at two or three <laughs> o'clock in the morning, taking yeah. pictures, um, you you know, move on to, to the next thing. Mm. But um, I'm very, I'm really looking forward to seeing some of your work. Thank you uh, much. I've, I've been lucky to see a little bit of it before, <laughs> but um, yeah, looking forward to seeing some of the finished pieces. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, what you, you might plan on doing next. Mm. I know it's a daunting question. I've asked everybody, so yeah. it's got to be fair to everybody else. I think um, <laughs> as in work-wise or just sort what, of like just what, after, the, after the Masters? After the Masters, like what your plan are, are, is... Mm. next you know where you see yourself going i think um i think the next week I've, I've got a couple of irons in the fire in terms of what i want to do sort of job rise and career wise but at the moment it's sort of obviously because I've, I've been in education now probably non-stop and I, I, I took a gap between the a levels and starting uni but i've been in university now just coming up nearly four and a half years and i thought you know it's a long time i need a bit of a gap now. yeah so the idea the the goal is to teach that's that's for me Very um but in terms of yeah, like art or photography or something, something along the line, sort of like you know, inspire the next generation. I know that's <laughs> I know that sounds a bit you know, weird. But in terms of I like the idea that you know there's there's probably young young kids out there who want to take up art or photography and you know it's trying to 
you know, oh, you can you can sort of do this sort of thing, and like if you know t- teaching them how to do it. But that's that's a process I need to sort of look into. But in terms of getting into teaching, it's another sort of another year and a half of you know in and out of classrooms in terms of learning how to become a teacher and you don't and you just won't have enough drive if you just come out of a master's you know you just want a bit of a break yeah, yeah. so the plan is for me obviously so when I'm finishing the master's obviously still practice using film i want to just keep developing that and making a really big body of work and sort of put myself out on social media and all those sorts of bits and pieces of that. but the idea really is to sort of you know sort of set myself up in a studio so i'm going to be working as much as i can i work for a company called wex at the moment which sells you know digital cameras and film cameras the whole lot so you're in the right environment in the right environment so hopefully fingers crossed i can you know go full time and sort of you know earn some money in sort myself out get get my own scanner because at the moment obviously i'm using unis and Mm. i'm not going to be available (laughs) to use uni scanners so you know and it's going to be in a bit of an investment obviously to be honest and Mm. i don't sort of i know for a fact that you know my work's not going to go miles and miles and people you know for, but for me it's just my own personal gain i don't care is there any is there any like um like the next skill that you might want to learn when it comes to photography because we talked a lot about this like nighttime photography and how skills heavy it mm. is with with film um do you have any kind of like uh uh, dreams that you would next thing you would go and just try something like this yeah i think you know i've 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 been quite lucky in the fact that I've swung from sort of genre to genre within photography. So, like, I've done a lot of music stuff. So, work with people like Chasing Status and sort of other people oh, like that. Cool. And that was that was cool. And it got to a point where, you know, you're coming in and out of, like, nightclubs, you're going to music events, and you're just absolutely shattered. And, mm. you know, the promoters, they, they want you there, but they just want they want the images at the end of the day and all that sort of thing. So, done that, did a little bit of documentary photography, and that was fun because, you know, you really get to ingrain yourself with people. Um you know, and find out what how they live their lives and the stuff they do and following them about and, you know, just documenting their sort of pastimes, hobbies and bits and pieces like that. But for me, I think the next one, because um, sort of the next skill I want to adapt is I want to bring, obviously I do want to bring people back into photography because at the end of the day, people like seeing other people, be it fashion mm-hmm. or anything like that. And I've done fashion stuff on film for a fashion student called Jasmine she's just graduated and we, we did a whole sort of bit together where um you know she she replaced a mobile phone with a fish so like a, a, <laughs> a bag of a fish because the idea was we look at our phone every 10 seconds mm. we don't realize it but we're always looking at it you know mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. like a memory like a goldfish sort of repetitive uh, okay, it was quite yeah, clever okay. um and that was really fun you know you know we smashed through about five rolls of film in about three hours and it, we, it was looked amazing mm. you know and mm. it looked really good and she was really happy with them and she said you know she did a number of different shoots with a number of different photographers and she was by she said she was by far impressed the most with mine and i was like well thank you very much i don't nice shoot compliment. people that's great <laughs> um, and i was like yeah i'll take that it's really cool um but yeah i think i really want to start pulling people back into it more of a fashion element but that's okay. something you know that's something that i'm gonna have to start looking at doing progressively because obviously if you jump straight back into something that you're not familiar with especially fashion this is i never normally do fashion photography if somebody asks oh can you shoot this i was like you do know i'm not a fashion photographer really i don't work with people in general Mm. oh no but i like the idea of it shot on film right (laughs) (laughs) okay then i then i'll help you out right as long as you give me a firm idea of what you want it to look like because a lot of the time people will come to me and go can you shoot this on film it's like yeah but what's the idea Mm. ah can Mm. you work that out it's not my shoot. This is your shoot. So is this how you like would necessarily kind of approach briefs or, or projects? Like if you're working with clients, we know that. Yeah, I think a lot of the time, uh, if I'm working with either, if it, if it's myself, it's a different story. But if I was working for somebody else, you know, I need to know what you want out of this, especially yeah. if it's on film. Yeah, yeah. You know, because you can, you can come to me with an idea and go, oh, I want to do this. Right. Okay. Cool. 
So then I'll shoot it the way they've briefly told me and they'll come back and go, oh, we could have done this differently. And because it's film, it's an expensive mistake to make. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? Um, a lot of the time, if I've worked with somebody that's shot on film, they've paid for the film. You know, and the film that they tend to like the most is obviously the most expensive film. You know? <laughs> and that's generally how it goes, like 50 quid for five roles sort of thing. And, yeah. you know, and, it, and then, you know, you shoot all the film and they're happy at the time. And obviously, because they can't see the images, they believe the whole thing's good. And they trust you to have made the right decisions in mm, terms of mm. settings of the cameras and all that bits and pieces like that. So when it's all developed and gone, oh, could we redo this? I was like, well, yeah, but we've got to buy more film now. Yeah, you know, we've got to get the model. But if it was digital, be completely different. And obviously, if it's digital, you know, you shoot it on the day wire it up to computer on location or something, we can see exactly what's going wrong. The models shut our eyes on some of these, so we need to get in. But with film, you've got to be, right, what do you want? How do you want it to look? You need to understand exactly what the weather's going to be because weather affects film massively. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it's it's some films have got different tones to them. So sort mm-hmm. of like the film I shoot on the most is uh, called Kodak Portrait. There's three different types. There's one, like it's all done by sensitivity to light, so it's ISO. So you've got 160, 400, which I shoot on virtually everything, mm-hmm. and then 800. And obviously, it's sort of a more warm tone, but it's like a really fine grain film. So it's like you don't really notice it's on film sometimes unless you really make it obvious. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and that's there is a reason why it's probably one of the most expensive films. It's because it's so good. <laughs> um, and, you know, and that's why a lot of people go for it in terms mm. of fashion stuff, because it's, you know, it keeps skin detail quality. in and it keeps quality of the clothes and stuff, and it doesn't. You know, especially with fashion, the last thing you want to be doing is changing a designer's mm, designs because mm. they get really annoyed and you start doing that. It's just listening to you talk. It's just there's a considerable amount to to think about, like skill wise and all mm-hmm. of logistics and stuff. Which is it's really it is really really yeah. like, fascinating. If um if uh somebody listened to this that was thinking about potentially doing photography, mm. um what what sort of advice would you give them? You know, after listening to all the things we've talked about, like. Or think, your experience on the MA. I think it's um it's one of those. Things. I think they're still doing it now today. If um if you wanted to start doing photography, you can start at a GCSE in a lot of schools, and a lot of the time they will throw you straight into film. That's what happened to me. And they threw you. They, here you go. Here's we've got a number of film cameras at school. Here you go. Here's some film. Go and shoot it, and we can develop it here. Like it's normally black and white because it's the cheapest out of the two to develop. Yeah. Um, if somebody came to me and go, oh, I want to start photography, it's like, well, what do you want to really photograph? It's the same thing when I'm at work. You know, I want to buy a camera. What do you want to photograph? Mm. Oh, I just want to photograph my family and all that stuff. Oh, here you go. Here's a point and shoot. You don't need yeah, anything yeah. else. Um, oh, I want to come photograph birds. Okay, well, here's a good camera. Here's a massive lens you're going to need for it. <laughs> um, and a lot of the time it is gen- um, sort of like uh, category specific. So a lot of the time it's if somebody wants, oh, I want to do sports and stuff like that, you know, and it's, you know, it, it's understanding what you want to photograph first. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the time, you know, a lot of people go, "Oh, I just want to buy a camera because I want to do everything." Mm-hmm. And that's great because if you're if you're not hammering yourself down to one specific genre before you start, like a lot of people, oh, I want to shoot. Let's say we want to shoot sports, for example. They'll get all the kit, they'll get everything they need, and they realise they hate sport. <laughs> like they don't <laughs> like doing it. Um, so, so if it was me, if someone went, "Oh, I want to start photography," it's like, well. Don't hammer yourself down to one genre first. You know, yeah, get yeah. yourself what you need to get. And if you actually decide, oh, yeah, no, I really like this. And then you've, you've worked on everything else. You've sort of decided, like, portraiture is the best for me. You know, I like interacting with people. I like telling people how to look or mm-hmm. telling them how to, mm-hmm. you know, pose and stuff. And that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I think when when it comes down to photography, it's sort of a lot of the case. And like, oh, I'm a photographer. It's like, oh, what do you shoot on? Oh, I shoot on an iPhone X. It's like, <laughs> you're not I. Like, <laughs> you know, but... You know, I think that's probably one of the biggest killers of photography, as you said. So yourself, like, 
iPhones have become more sort of quality driven now than most yeah. most cameras at the moment. But mm. you know, that's just that's just generally what happens sometimes. Yeah. Well, that's really good advice. Um, I think uh, just before we kind of wrap up here, um, obviously all of your work is is visual, right? Mm. As a photographer, yeah. uh, and listening to us talk about your work on a podcast is. I've had such fun listening to your, your passion behind it. If somebody listening to this wants to find out more and see mm. what we're talking about, where's the best place for them to go? Best place is Instagram at the moment because I'm currently rebuilding my website. Mm-hmm. And I've got to pay the bill. So uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to get that set up for the degree show and then obviously start you know, putting stuff up there. But at the moment, it's Instagram. So it's like at strictly35 mm-hmm. underscore between the strictly and the 35 bit. And on there is just everything at the moment. Like if I've shot anything on film, it's on there. Cool. Um, and it's usually sort of um what's the moment it's seasonal so at the moment it's loads of nighttime stuff but i can guarantee you there's going to be daytime stuff on there at some yeah, point because yeah, yeah. you know it, i'm getting really really as i said you probably start this podcast it's getting a bit sat <laughs> like sick of being out at three in the morning yeah. on street corners and stuff we've got like people coming up oh what are you doing sort of yeah, thing like yeah. drunk people it's just like, oh god All that i just want to go to bed yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> brilliant well we'll put that information in the description of, of the podcast so people can find it and just click on that there and if the website is up and running by then we'll it obviously will, put will that in, in as well but um Thank you so much for coming. That's right. Thank you for having me. It's been really, really cool. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been, you're very passionate about what you do. (laughs) Thank you. uh, Yeah, it's kind of blown my mind a little bit. So hopefully that's inspired some people out there. But um, uh, you'll be able to see Elliot's work at the degree show at the end of August um, for the MA degree show here at Norwich University Arts. But yeah, just thanks thanks again for coming. No worries. Thanks very much for inviting me. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.